sa Alabao. It's the What's It All About show with your host, Al Roberts. Let's get ready to rumble! Apologies for last week, there was no show, and I was fairly quiet on social media, maybe should have put something out there, so apologies for that, but we're back this week, and today's show is going to be a banger, I've got, we'll dive right into what's coming up, I'm going to open the show with, basically we're going on a little rant about, basically fake news in MMA, and yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Going to talk about this weekend's fight night, which was an absolute banger start to finish. Some amazing fights, amazing performances. Awesome. It was, I really enjoyed it. Really great card. Um, I'm going to talk about next week's uh, pivotal middleweight matchup between uh, Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. Massive, massive implications behind that fight, man. Massive. Um, after that, we've got um, this week in MMA history, we've got three different events. That all happened over this week on the anniversary. Um, we have got the first Ultimate Fighter finale, Boris Griffin versus Stefan Bonner. The fight that just changed the diversity for MMA. It changed the whole trajectory for MMA, that fight. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about uh, UFC 69 back in 2007, which was Matt Serra versus GSP, the big, one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. And we're going to talk about uh, Strike Force from 2011 and April 9th. Um, Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly, one of the craziest fights in MMA history, man. So, yeah, but yeah, welcome to the show. I hope everyone's keeping okay. I hope you're all well. Um, like I say, I've been quiet this week on social media. I think maybe put one post up, and um, I generally just I never quite got around to putting up that there wouldn't be a show this week. So, massive apology for that. Um, I should have been way more on the ball. But yeah, back this week, another show, another week. Loads of loads of fun things for me to talk about this week. There's so many. Um, yeah, uh, shout out as always to JMA Radio. If you listen to us on JMA Radio, hello. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, but thanks again if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes or Pocket Casts. Um, also, if you just listened to the show for the first time and you're enjoying it, Please go find me on Instagram. Um, basically, the main thing I use it for is just to schedule the shows. I put the odd little bit up here and there, but most of the time it's just telling you when the show's on, what's coming up on that episode. So, yeah. But, yeah, uh, welcome to the show again, guys. Hope you're all keeping well. So, this week, um, yeah, I'll start I'll start with the first thing I wanted to cover this week. It's, um, yeah, I got, I got proper pissed off um, over the last couple of weeks with seeing... I see it all the time, and as soon as I see it, I tend to just unfollow pages, but it's a, it's basically reporting, it's 
MMA outlets and media pages just re- just reporting the stupidest of shit just to get attention. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, I've ranted about this before briefly and had little kickoffs about it, but it just really fucks me off. Like, all right, for example, I mean, I report on rumored fights, and I'm the first one to open up and say, look, rumor. Rumour has it, this. But, like, there are MMA groups out there who literally see the first inkling of biggest bullshit and they just dive on it and go, blah, 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 in the works. Oh, there's fighting so-and-so. And it's like, they're not, though. Like, I'll by all means say, rumoured, this fight is rumoured. Don't know if it's happening. But I'll, I'll say it right off the bat. These guys are, like, confirming absolute bullshit i've got the absolute gold star of examples man um there's a I can't remember if it's twitter or instagram uh the steep show um and the the handles at sharp show so this this has got to be it's definitely some form of satire or someone taking the piss but they've said i have i have a excuse me i have very reliable sources and they told me the UFC is currently working on making Schaub versus Francis for the heavyweight title. Like, if you know who Brandon Schaub is, you know he's a retired MMA fighter, fought in the UFC, not the worst fighter in the world, not the best. Um, went on to have a great career uh, in the shadow of Joe Rogan doing stand-up and podcasts and all that. He's been very, he's became very successful um, outside of MMA. So, blatantly, someone sharing some. Or t- or like tweeting this as a piss take. Um, another MMA outlet on, on Facebook reported this, like literally shared it with the title Thoughts. Like, are you fucking that stupid? Are you that fucking unaware and uneducated in the sport of MMA that you think that's an actual real fucking headline? That's a real title. That's something real. You fucking idiot. Oh man, it's just ridiculous. Like, it comes down to, it comes down to, quite frankly, the fucking, the, the, the dark foundations of social media now, where everything is just about getting likes and getting attention. Like, fuck me, have some dignity and report the sport properly, you fucking dick. Like, it's just so ridiculous, man. Uh, there's something else as well. Bear with me, I've got, um, I've definitely got it here somewhere. Just bear with me one second. Um, yeah, so Henry Cejudo this week um, tweeted, it's going down, the Triple C versus the Olympic bronze medalist at Floyd Mayweather, stay tuned. Right, fair enough, tweeting out that, you go, oh, fair enough. Then you've got two other MMA outlets who have reported breaking, um, fighting the works. no. It's he's just that that is just Henry Cejudo throwing it out there for a bit of clout. He's just throwing it out there to just for the attention and you bit it up. I'll tell you now the two outlets were Combat Sports News and MMA Uncensored. MMA Uncensored tend to be alright most of the time. Combat Sports News, not so much. Um Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And for the record, the um yeah, the first outlet that reported on Brendan Shaw versus Francis Ngannou 
that's MMA feed. So just just to let you know, I'll out them. I don't give a fuck. I'll out every one of them. There's a few more, but I can't be bothered looking through my phone to find them. But um, yeah, it's ridiculous. I think MMA Echo. I think that's another fucking group of fucking idiots as well on Facebook. So if you want to giggle, go search. Yeah, go follow some of the fucking stuff they report on. But yeah, I did warn you. I said I was starting today on a rant, but it's just ridiculous, man. Like, report the sport properly. You know what I mean? If you're reporting on combat sports, report it properly. Hell, at least put a disclaimer in there saying, like, you know, fight rumoured. Not fight in the works. Oh, the, no, it's not. It's really not in the works. It's Henry. That prime example, that's Henry Sudo tweeting some absolute bullshittery. He's just throwing it out there. It's all he's doing. You think Henry Sudo's going to last fucking three or four rounds with fucking Floyd Mayweather? Let's not get, let's not get carried away. Behave yourselves. But yeah. But yeah, that's my rant for today. But yeah, like I say, I've outed a load of them there. MMA feed, go fuck yourselves, you fucking idiots. Same with the, same with the rest of them. Like, if you're, if you're just doing some stupid little Facebook page just to get likes, go, you know... I'm not being funny. Go put a lot of Instagram models on there if you're that bothered. But don't fuck this spot and the reporting and give people false information. And in a lot of cases, false hope as well. You know what I mean? Like, you might report, put some absolute bullshittery out there about a fight that someone's really looking forward to, and then it ends up being bullshit. Like, come on now. Yeah. A lot of you just sort yourselves out. That's all. I'm, I'm going to leave it on that. But, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. But that's... It just pisses me off so much. It really does. Like, it really does fuck me off, like. But, yeah, anyways, moving on with the show. So, anyways, um, this weekend, we had an absolute banger of a fight night. Um, there were a lot of fun fights, a lot of very enjoyable fights, a lot of great finishes. I thoroughly enjoyed this, this whole event, really did. I thought... Uh, going into this, I always said it was packed full of fan-friendly fights, and I wasn't wrong. I'll be honest, I wasn't wrong. I, I, I enjoyed pretty much every fight on this card. Um, yeah, it was headlined by uh, Martin Vittori versus Kevin Holland. Uh, Martin Vittori was originally meant to fight Darren Till. Uh, Darren Till broke his collarbone, etc. So we've had a bit of a fallout from that. Kevin Holland steps in on like a week's notice, which was fucking awesome on him. Um, he, that's coming off his loss to Derek Brunson, what? Less than three weeks ago, like you got to give that guy, you got to give him credit, man. Maximum respect to Kevin Holland coming into this fight. Um, but yeah, starting at the main event though, like Martin, Marvin Vittori blatantly just he just took the Brunson blueprint and ran with it, man. Um, yeah, like it was one of them. Like it was, it was a stern, pretty stern decision win for Marvin Vittori. Not even pretty. It was a very stern win. Used a lot of. Um, yeah, he used a lot of, like, sort of boxing to get in range. Really, yeah, just really sort of bullied his way into range, got the takedown every time. Kevin Holland seems to just submit to takedowns. He's apparently um, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Kevin Holland. And this is what he seems to work off. He seems to be far too content in letting people take him down and playing the guard game or playing his jiu-jitsu game. And I haven't seen, I, I just I haven't seemed to see it work for him. I really haven't. Um, I know he's had submissions in the UFC, but Vittori just literally, basically, just yeah, just took him down at will and controlled him there. 
no different, no different to Derek Brunson. Now, don't get me wrong, it's, you can't be mad at, mad at the tactics. That's a perfect game plan, in my opinion. Kevin Holland's got some fucking good striking at. Like, he's so rangy and quite accurate as well. Has good kicks. Uses a lot of rangy kicks and stuff like that. And he did tag Marvin Vittori a good few times in this fight. He really did, man. But, I don't know, I think Kevin Holland's he's just got so much to work on, man. He's just such... I don't know, his striking's really good. And he's got jiu-jitsu, don't get me wrong, but he needs to seriously go and seriously put some work in with some real high-level high, high level wrestlers, man. He really does. He just seems to submit to getting taken down far too easy. And then I think he has far too much... I think he has far too much confidence in his jiu-jitsu. Like, the say he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu at, under... Oh, he's, it's under Travis Luter. That's the one. So, he's, Travis Luter, part in the UFC, he's a very good, very good jiu-jitsu player. Um, from an, from his era in an MMA, he was he was renowned for being really good at jiu-jitsu. Kevin Holland apparently has a black belt. I'm not. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm a fucking one-stripe white belt. I can't be pointing the finger going that's not a black belt. I'm not saying that at all. Before anyone says that, um, maybe he's just too confident in his jiu-jitsu, or, or maybe he's just got fuck all takedown defense. I don't know, but. He needs to seriously go and work on that side of his game. The other side of this is he's openly said that he dropped down to 170. Um, Kevin Holland's a big guy, man. He's very tall, very rangy, but he's got a very slim body body structure. He's got a, he's got a, a very slim frame to his body, so he could be. He doesn't look like he cuts that much weight for 185. He could quite. He could maybe make 170. I think at 170, that guy's very fucking dangerous. Tall, rangy, very good striking. But in, at one seventy, there are a handful of very fucking good wrestlers and grapplers. Like for example, the way Marvin Vittori ran through him with wrestling, someone like Colby Covington or or even Usman or Burns, down in that one seventy bracket, like they would run through him twice as twice as bad. I'll tell you that for now. Promise you. But but yeah, either way, Marvin Vittori goes on good, very stern decision win. Can't knock him. Marvin Vittori. Has impressed me a lot in his last couple of fights. He's he looked absolutely amazing against Jack Manson, who's a top-rate middleweight. Um, his last loss, I believe, on his career is against Israel Adesanya, who he claims he he beat. He didn't, but claims he did. Um, and you know he's put some really good fights together. He really has put some good wins together. A lot of decisions. He hasn't seemed to really break through with a lot of finishes, but. Um, I'd still like to see him versus Darren Till. I think it's a very interesting fight. Um, yeah, as for Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland fought a fucking, what, five times? Four, five times, I think. Five, I think, last year. Five times last year, he's fought twice this year already. The guy is a workhorse. He doesn't stop. He's going to carry on taking fights left, right, and centre, no doubt. Um, curious to see if he drops down 170, but yeah. I think... Um, Going back to Marvin Vittori, I think the big question for him as well also is next week. What happens with next week with Whitaker and Gastelum? And, you know, you've also got Paulo Costa coming back um, off injury. It was meant to it was meant to fight next weekend. See, I, I think that, that fight probably makes sense. It probably does. But I'd still like to see him fight Till. I think that's that's a good matchup, that. Uh, also, it certifies who's the best, uh, best middleweight in Europe, without a doubt. 
So yeah, uh, co-main event, Arnold Allen making it eight on the belt against Sadiq Youssef. Um, Arnold Allen, UK standout, has really ground his way through the UFC uh, featherweight division. He's top 15, easy. And Sadiq Youssef's legit. Sadiq Youssef has knockout power. Like This guy hits fucking hard for a featherweight. Arnold Allen in this fight showed just how fucking, one, well-rounded he is, two, defensive he is, and three, just how smooth and fluid he is. He, Arnold Allen, this is eight on the belt for him, and he has fought a hell of a lot of people in that division. He's, um, you know what I mean, he's fought a couple of decent veterans in the likes of uh, Gilbert Melendez, Nick Lentz. He's had a lot, he's had a few controversial fights where he's came back in the third and won. He's, you know, his striking's there, his grappling's there. This kid is a fucking legit prospect. He really is. I don't think he fought last year, but we have, you know what I mean? Before that, he was fighting. Yeah, he was getting his fights in. He's 17 and 1. He's still young. He's, you know, Arnold Allen could be a serious prospect. Well, not he is a prospect, a serious contender in this division in the next year or so. He's just looked better and better in every fight, man. UK standout. Yeah, serious, serious fucking threat in this division, honestly. Um, yeah, he rocked uh, he rocked Yusuf in the first round with a punch, really stunned him, and stunned him again with a head kick in the second, and the third just, yeah, just held the course. Great performance by Arnold Allen, very impressed by him. Yeah, um, really looking forward to see who he gets next. I think... I think pretty much anyone in that top 15 can get it off Allen. Well, I think the next fight, to be honest. He even said, though, he said in his post-fight interview, if he'd got a finish, he would have called out a top five, but he feels like he needs a finish. And I respect that. I think that's good for him, man. Honestly, very much good for him. Um, so, yeah, let's get him a top 10. Let's see, see how he um, goes against them boys. We had a um, middleweight fight after that. Sam Alvey versus Julian. The Cuban Missile Crisis Marquez. Uh, Sam Alvey, it's a tough one. I'm a big fan of Sam Alvey, but I think I think this could be his walking papers from the UFC, this loss. Uh, Julian Marquez choked him unconscious in the second round. Um, you know what? Sam Alvey's a southpaw, and he's got this real nasty right hook on his lead hook, and he's really good at this. All. He lets people back him up. It's where most of his losses and his wins have came from, his people backing up and him just hitting them with his piston right hand and knocking them out. The other side of that is getting backed up against Cage and he gets knocked out. This is just reality. It's happened a handful of times where people steamrolled him against the cage, swarmed him and knocked him out, or TKO'd him, I should say. And you know what? He was pinging Julian Marquez with that right hook and the left straight. He, and he... Alvey's one of those guys who you look at and you don't realise how much power that guy has. He's got a hell of a lot of knockouts. and In his in his career, he's got quite a few first-round knockouts, like 14 or something. And he pinged Julian Marquez a good few times in that fight, man. And, yeah, uh, Marquez answered back, rocked him really badly in the second round, really scrambled, and then just synced up this real nasty fucking choke, nasty arm choke, like... Ah, nasty, and just put Alvi to sleep. Instant. Boom. Right, Julian Marquez putting two 
great submission wins together on the belt. Um, his great comeback win against uh, Maki Patolo like a month or two ago. Yeah, Julio Marquez, he's a great character as well. Really, I really enjoy him in his post-fight interviews. In his last fight, he called out for a date with Miley Cyrus. And um, in this one, he's, you know, calling out other sports sports personalities and athletes for a game of badminton. I like the guy, man. I really do. I think he's great personality. Um, all the media stuff he did building up this fight was great to see. Just, yeah, real fun guy to be around. But as for Sam Alvey... I hate to say it, but I think he I think he gets his walking papers after this fight. He's he's been so inconsistent. And it's a shame, man. I really enjoy Sam Alvey. I really like the guy. I like his style. I like I like how he carries himself. Super happy, smiley guy. Yeah. It's a shame, man. But I think he could really I think he could do really well if he goes on to a, a smaller organization. End his career out there. Uh women's strawweight, Mackenzie Dern. Fourth win on the belt, putting another first round submission on Nina Ansaroff. Mackenzie Dern, in 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 the best way I can say this, looks in the best physical shape of her life at the minute. She looks like she's really trimmed down. She's looking way way more athletic. She's not carrying as much thickness, shall we say? But this girl, man, if she she gets any of these strawweights down at the ground, she mauls them with jujitsu. Her jujitsu is fucking legit as fuck. Um, real legit. Another armbar finish. She's she's a contender, man. She's she's honestly in the talks for that for that title title shot. Honestly, she she really is. Um, I think any girl in that strawweight division, she she fucking subs them, man. Any one of them. She's also honestly like I say this all the time, but I don't think her striking's bad at all. I think her boxing's there. I think she's that confident with the jiu-jitsu. She will storm forward with punches and you know you take her down she's going to wrap you up or she backs you up and she takes you down yeah a lot of time for Mackenzie Dern big fan of her and looking forward to see who she gets next I think I honestly think like she could she could easily be in the run for the winner of um, Rose Namajunas and excuse me um, Zhang Willy Zhang um, I think she's in the run for the title shot against the winner of that. I really do. I think her against Zhang's very interesting. I'm more interested to see her versus Rose. I think that's an amazing fight. Amazing. Um, both really good jiu-jitsu. She's got real heavy hand. Like, Dern's got this real heavy hand sort of boxing approach. Those bombs. Um, Rose Namajun has got a very, very technical kickboxing style. I think... Fuck it, yeah, I'll say it now. That's the fight to make, man. But I, I really want uh, Rose Dama Juniors to beat uh, Lee Zhang. I really do, and I think that's the fight to set up. So, yeah, fingers crossed. For the record, I'm not reporting that as news, by the way. Just for you, fucking outlets. Um, opener for the main card was Mike Perry versus Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, it, this was hard to watch, man. Um. Uh, yeah, this was a hard fight to watch. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of Mike Perry, man. I, I just think the guy is an absolute fucking lunatic. And I've always enjoyed watching him fight. He goes in there and scraps with anyone and all this. Um, his personality outside the cage is fucking insane and so entertaining for the right and the wrong reasons. Um, but in this fight, man, Daniel Rodriguez pieced him up. It was fucking hard to watch. 
Mike Perry just seemed to be looked so he just looks so out of his depth, man. Daniel Rodriguez just fought an absolutely perfect clinic on Mike Perry, man. Daniel Rodriguez, I've watched his last, I think that's his fifth fight in the UFC. I've watched them all and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed his fights, man. The guy's tough as nails, heavy, decently heavy-handed. Should have basically won his last fight, in my opinion. He got he got screwed in the decision, but close fight, don't I shouldn't say screwed. It was a close fight in his last fight, but um Daniel Rodriguez, he's a part, mate. He is he's on it. Like he yeah. This guy's legit. I think he's a legit fucking well aware. Big guy for the division. Great striking and the sad part of this is he just pieced up Mike Perry, man. Like, hey, Mike Perry is one of the toughest guys in the sport, in my opinion. Especially at welterweight. He's he's he just he's tough as fuck. The guy's an absolute fruit loop in his own right, but that man can take a fucking punch left, right, and centre. Um yeah, man, but Rodriguez just this beautiful job of just you know, one one two down the pipe and just kept landing, landing hooks on the exit, and he used this beautiful inside leg kick. He'd sort of, it's sort of, yeah. He just as soon as he sort of landed a combo, and Perry sort of froze even for a second. He just threw that low leg kick in right on the inside every time, every time. It was beautiful. It really was. It was just a clinic. Um, it explains a lot, though, when he's got the likes of... I know he's been training out the BMF ranch with Donald Cerrone, and I didn't click that... Um, well, I didn't click till the fight where I realised that means he's got Joe Schilling in his corner. And Joe Schilling is a fucking very good kickboxer. He's a, he's another wild man, a real wild man. Um, but, yeah, uh, Daniel Rodriguez, get that guy a top 15, get that guy a top a top 10, in my opinion, at welterweight. I think he... Phew, I'll say it, here we go, here's one for you. Daniel Rodriguez, throw him in that top 15. Let's see someone, someone like him versus Luke or who else is in that? Fuck. Yeah, that division's stacked, man. But I don't think, I'm not saying top five, but he could definitely dive into that top 10 and have some really good fights in there, man. But yeah, um, yeah, Mike Perry took a pace. I don't know what's next for Mike Perry, man. Like, he's went to MMA Masters, the MMA gym. He didn't have his coaches in his corner for his fight, though. He had a fighter he trained with. Who I, I can't remember his name. Apologies for that, but you can't. I don't. I just don't think you can be going into these fights at such a high level with no decent coaching staff, man. Like they're there to analyze the fight and tell you what to do and when to do it and give you advice. And yeah, man, it's it, it, this did not work. Like he, Perry came out of this fight busted up. He's got one fight on his. Uh, contract. Uh, he loses that fight. I think he gets cut. I honestly do. Um, he just didn't. And even in this fight, though, he just seemed to get bullied. He seemed to get put on his back foot. And there was a lot of times where he was doing just, just such amateurish shit, like throwing in with like really weird looping left and right hands, and his feet didn't seem there. His footwork didn't seem there. He just seemed to be put on his back foot and fucking bludgeoned. But yeah, it was a shame, man. Honestly, a real shame. Like I say, I'm a big fan of Mike Perry. Um, but it is what it is, man. It's just the reality of this sport. It's it's the most unforgiving sport in the world. But as for Daniel Rodriguez, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of that guy and I really enjoy watching him fight. I think I think he's a killer. I really do. Um, prelim card. 
We had absolute veteran, one of my all-time favourites, Jim Miller versus up-and-coming prospect and looking like a serious threat at the lightweight division, Joe Selecki. Um, weird fight, man. Um, yeah, real back and forth. Jim Miller, the great grappler as always. First round, bit of back and forth um, with Miller getting the takedown, I believe, at the end, I think. Um, but then rounds two and three, Joe Selecki just getting top control. And just basically just pressuring Miller and keeping him down. That was about it. Didn't really do much else. Like they had a good little firefight in the first round. It was real competitive. Both threw bombs at each other. Really pressured each other. And first round was amazing. Like this, uh, I enjoyed the second and third round, but it was a lot of just like he just controlling Jim Miller on the ground, which is it. You you can't fuck about with a veteran like Jim Miller. Eh? You just can't. I think Jim Miller still to this day has performances where you can see he gets better, even at 38 year old and you know a veteran of the sport with best part of 50 fights. He he still see bits in him where you're like he's improved there, he's improved here. Leg kick game, he throws a lot more leg kicks now. His boxing looks crisp, and then he's got that certified Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, which he's proven he can fucking use in time and time again. But Joe Selecki, hell of a fucking prospect coming up. Uh, he really, he's really impressed me in both his UFC, well, in all of his UFC fights. I believe he's on maybe two or three now. Um, yeah, but Jim Miller's still in the game. Like he didn't really get pasted in this fight; just got outworked on the ground. Like he's, I think he's still got fights in him. Joe Selecki is just going to keep moving up in talent. I think now, but I think when you beat a veteran like Miller, you're diving into that fifteen easy. So we'll see how that goes. Absolutely amazing knockout. Um, at lightweight for Matthias Gamrot, Polish fighter fighting out of American top team against uh, Scott Holzman. Scott Holzman is a fucking gigantic lightweight, by the way. Man, they look like a weight class apart with these two gentlemen. I, I know Gamrot's well-renowned for his grappling in this fight, but to see him knock Holzman out like that as well, unreal. Like, great, great knockout for Gamrot. Um, great to see him get a win put together after his... Uh, very, very close split decision loss a few months ago. Uh, Gamrot's very highly touted by a lot of people. A lot of people talk about him um, being very good. Apparently, he's a very, very good grappler. Um, he's striking look fucking good in this fight, though. You know what I mean? He's very patient, very defensive, and just one good right hand, dropped Holt, uh, Holtzman and finished him off on the ground. Amazing performance. Uh, this next fight was fucking insane in its own right. We've seen uh, another MMA veteran in John McAdesi, the Bull, versus Ing Igna Ignacio uh, Bahamondes. Bahamondes. Um, young kid coming up. This guy is six foot three at lightweight and looks like a fucking welterweight. Very tall guy, very good. Very good striker. Started the first round off really taking it to McDessie, switching stances. Looked looked world class for a young kid, and then that veterancy kicked in, and McDessie just hit him with a short right hand, sent him on to fucking Wobble Street, and spent the rest of the first round just teeing off on Bahamendos, just teeing off on him. Um, what a tough kid, man! Like that, this kid took a pasting on and off throughout this fight. It was a great fight to watch. The kid never gave up. He never fucking stopped going forward and firing strikes. John McAdesi took some shots as well. 
and and just that veterancy, that experience, in, that kickboxing experience could just sail them through to a decision win. But what a crazy fight. I mean, I haven't seen who got the uh, bonuses for this card, but I'd say it was a fucking hard job. I really do. Um, Bahamondes sadly missed weight for this fight, so even if they got fight of the night, Bahamondes wouldn't get the 50k, which I think is a real shame. But at the end of the day, make fucking weight. It's your job. That's 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 simple as that, for my opinion. But yeah, what a fight though! What a fucking crazy fight that was. Thinking about it, mental. But I enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed that fucking fight. Um, heavyweight, we had by far the most devastating knockout of this night. Jesus wept. Um, uh, Jarvis Danho versus Jorgen de Castro. Danho, which is, is known as, I think it was the German mountain or something, the man mountain or something. This guy was fucking huge and he absolutely decapitated Jorgen de Castro and sent him on a one-way ticket to the fucking shadow realm. Jesus Christ, what a knockout. Terrifying, terrifying power, terrifying size of this fucking gargantuan. I, to knock out someone like de Castro with that shot, Jesus Christ, the guy's got death shots. Honestly, like, I'm, I, you know what? Maybe I have seen Dano fight before. Maybe I haven't. I can't remember seeing him fight before. And watching that knockout power was just like, fuck. Scary, scary dude. De Castro's known for clearing people out in a shot himself. Um, got an absolutely fucking devastating knockout over Justin Taffer maybe earlier this year, last year. Um... But Dan Ho, Jesus Christ, man! Like I can't say, I can't say it enough. Fuck, what a knockout! Just absolutely ended to Castro with an absolute hammer of a right hand. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You take what you want from that one, but what a knockout! Uh, bantamweight Jack the Tank Shaw from Wales in the UK putting together a very impressive performance, showing. Um, Showcasing his wrestling, beating uh, Hunter Azur. Um, yeah, Jack Shaw putting it on the map that the Brits can fucking wrestle, man. Like, this is it. The, the, the whole conception of the UK just being strikers and jits guys is very much gone nowadays, man. We have got some fucking killers coming up and they can fucking wrestle. We've got wrestling in the UK now. Um, you see it all over the place now, whether it be in jiu jitsu tournaments, grappling tournaments, um, and mate self. Uh, Cage Warriors, Barmer, all these organisations, we've got lads and, and ladies in this country in MMA who can wrestle. We've got wrestling coaches over here now. It's a whole different demographic. And Tank Sh um, Jack Shaw shows this, man. Like, this kid, hey, man, striking, it's there. He's grappling, though. It's fucking impressive, man. I think, I think Hunter Azur in this fight just did not expect to have to worry about it. I honestly don't think he did. I honestly thought he went into this fight and he was going to imply the wrestling. And I don't think he was ready for some young lad from fucking Wales in the UK. Wrestle fucking him. Yeah, absolutely great, great performance of Jack Shaw. You know what I mean? 14 and 0 now, undefeated. Great British prospect coming up. Um, yeah, very excited to see that kid fight again, man. Very excited. So yeah, um, the, the early pre's, like I didn't see any more of the early pre's. Um, just run through them quickly. I haven't seen any of these fights. Uh, Lewis Saldana, decision win over Jordan Griffin. 
Jung Daun, uh, decision win over William Knight, and Impact Kazagane, uh, big fan of Impact. I think he's a great prospect, making his welterweight debut, beat uh, Sasha Palatnikov. Uh, so, yeah. A lot, of, uh, a lot of decisions on this card, but I couldn't give a fuck, to be honest. Like, it was such a good card. Such a good card. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I honestly did, man. Um, big takes. Big takes from this card. Quickly. Vittori versus Till. Or Vittori versus the winner of next weekend's card. Um, Arnold Allen. Taking the featherweight division by storm sooner or later. That guy's a prospect. He looks good. He's just fought an absolute knockout artist and pretty much showed that he has as good a striking to keep up with pretty much most people at featherweight. Um, Sam Alvey, I think, gets his walking papers, sadly, as much as that pains me. Um, Julian Marquez, though, love that guy. Really enjoy his character. Love his personality. Hope he does well in the future. Mackenzie Dern, give her the title shot. Give her the winner. Winner of uh, Zhang and winner of Namajunis. Yeah, give Mackenzie Dern the shot. Full stop. Done. Enjoy. Um, Mike Perry needs to reevaluate himself. Dan Rodriguez is a fucking killer. Um, yeah. Joe Selecki, beating a legend. Good for him. Gamrock, serious serious threat coming up at lightweight. Looking forward to seeing him. Makadesi and Bahamedos, Mandos, fight of the night. Insane. Um, Jardis Danho, um, decapitated De Castro, unreal. And Jack Shaw, just fucking putting it together, man. Putting it together. Um, great, absolutely great to see him. Really impressed, man. Uh, but yeah, great card, honestly. Really enjoyed it. Stayed, stayed up way too late last night to watch it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. So, moving on, next subject. Next week, we have got another middleweight clash with serious implications for the title, man. And, oops, sorry, just moved my mic a little bit. Um, and yeah, this is going to be uh, Robert Whitaker versus, excuse me, versus Kelvin Gastelum, man. Fuck, this, in another, this is another proper fun fucking fight, man. Um, fun, sorry, fun card. Like, the whole card's fun full of absolute fan-friendly fights, man. Like, not a lot of title implications or big big movers in the in the in the rankings by the by the middleweight main event, but the rest of the fights are fucking fun. Really fucking fun. I want to talk about the main event next weekend though. Robert Whitaker's on a fucking kill streak again. Honestly, like to all you fuck little Izzy fanboys who are like, ah, Whitaker, uh he wasn't the same after Adesanya beat him. What the fuck are you on about, man? Like, I've I've heard people say this to me. Like, ah, he's, he's not been the same since he got locked. Not been the fucking same. The guy is fucking fought Darren Till, who's an absolute killer. He's fought Jared Cannonier, who's one of the scariest guys at the fucking in the middleweight division. Like, I don't I don't know what you fucking I don't know what you fucking expect. Like, the guy has looked like I'll be, you know what? Fuck it. I'll say it now. I think he beats Izzy in the rematch, and he's on. He's literally, fuck it, man. He's on the cusp. He's on the cusp of a fucking title shot again. He could have probably had a title shot after beating Till, but decided he wanted to get a few more wins under his belt. You know what I mean? Like, 
fuck, you, I don't see how, I don't get how you're counting this guy out. You know what I mean? Like, I really don't, I don't understand it. Like, what are you, are you, are you watching something I'm not? You know, it's insane, man. Like, the guy, the guy's looked world class. Just as world class as he was before, before losing. So, I don't know, man. Like, I, either way, I'm proper ranting. I'm, I am proper ranting at the minute. I am. Um, but yeah, Whitaker versus Gaslam, man, is an absolute banger. It really is. Um, Gaslam replacing Paulo Costa, who um, is injured, I believe. Um, Gaslam coming off a great win over Ian Heinish a few weeks ago. Um, but this fight was meant to happen a long time ago. This fight was meant to happen for the title when Izzy and Gaslam stepped in and fought for the interim. It's a good fight. Um, personally, I think I think Whitaker's going to be too much for Gaslam. Gaslam's strength, though, uh, without a doubt, is boxing. That um, that right hook, left left cross is unreal. Gaslam does it as well as anyone. He really does that 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 sort of lazy right hook, piston of a left hand setup is fucking brilliant. It really is. It's a great thing to watch. Um, the way he caught the likes of Michael Bispin with it, Vito Belfort, you know, he's knocked out some legit fighters with that exact technique. Whitaker though, Whitaker just, you know, went through two absolute battles with Darren Till and Cannonier and came out winning. I think Whitaker's a monster. I really do. I'm a big fan of Whitaker. I think he's, I think he's a great, great ambassador for the sport. I think he's an all-around good guy. I think he's a great fighter. Absolutely unbelievably good fighter. So I'm yeah man, I'm looking forward to see him in versus Gaslam. I'm a big fan of Gaslam as well. I really am. I enjoy I enjoy watching Calvin Gaslam fight. I think his boxing's brilliant. I think for a little stout guy he uses he's got his game game just right for his size and, and all that. And people forget about the wrestling man. Gaslam's a fucking good wrestler. He's got very good back take and he's got a very good rear naked choke as well. But Whitaker, same again. People don't talk enough about Whitaker's wrestling and his, and his groundwork because he's that good a fucking kickboxer. But fuck. Um, I think it's quite a simple one for this. I think Whitaker wins his fight. He gets a title fight full stop. He goes on to fight Izzy. And I think he beats Izzy. I really do. I don't think he's going to... I understood, like... I've got a lot of flack for this off it where they were like, why did... he was diving in on Izzy and all this. I was like, I understood what he was doing when I was watching it. I sort of backed it. I, th I sort of thought, I thought, yeah, excuse me. I thought to myself, like, oh, that's not a bad shout. Dive in, throw heavy shots, get out. You can't do that with Israel Adesanya. Because you miss one of those heavy shots, he's going to take your fucking chin off. And that's exactly what happened to Whitaker in that first fight. I think he's going to be way more smart in this fight. I also think he's probably seen a bit of a blueprint from Jan Blahowitz. I think Whitaker gets Whitaker gets easy to the ground. I think he can beat. I think he can control him. I really do. I'm not saying, hey man, I'm not saying Izzy hasn't got a ground game, but I think Whitaker's is far better. I think Whitaker's got 100% underrated wrestling. So yeah, I think Whitaker wins this. He goes on to fight for the title. Gaston wins it. Do you give? Yeah, fuck it. I think Gaston deserves a rematch with Izzy if he wins this fight. As he, you know, he's coming off three losses, a win against Heinish and a win against Whitaker. Fuck it, man. I think he, I think the guy deserves to get some redemption for that close decision loss. I really do. Um, 
But yeah, and personally, I think you've still got the likes of Darren Till in the mix. You've got Marvin Vittori floating about, Paulo Costa. Um, yeah, man, the middleweight division, yeah, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a heavy division, man, when you look at some of the guys there. Um, you've got Derek Brunson, sorry, Derek Brunson's been looking like a fucking rejuvenated killer. So, yeah, Jack Manson's still in the mix. Uriah Hall's fighting Chris Weidman a couple of weeks' time. Kevin Holland coming off two losses, but is still in there. You know what I mean? You've got, yeah, man, it's a it's a fucking good row of fighters in, in middleweight at the moment, and I think it's there for anyone to take. It really is. So, yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of, lot of big things to come from this main event this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great fight, stylistically. I think both guys are killers. Both guys are knockout artists. Yeah, man, it's a good fight. It really is. Be grateful we've got it, man. Co-main event, one of my favourites, Jeremy fucking Stevens. Love Jeremy Stevens. Fighting up and coming, Drakkar Close. I think that's Stevens' fight to take. I really do. Stevens, it's a fun one with Stevens because he's got the most losses in UFC history. But he's also put some fucking devastating streaks together. Where Jeremy Stevens on point is a fucking scary little bastard. Like, there's a reason to call him Little Heathen. Like, he is a he is a savage. He will go in there and go hell for leather with anyone. Um, yeah, very excited to see him get back in there. I believe his last fight was his loss against Calvin Cater. A fight which he was winning, in my opinion, and then got caught with that absolute devastating elbow that dropped him and he got um, punched out on the ground. Look, Drakkar Close is good up-and-comer and all that, but yeah, Jeremy Stevens is a different animal, man. Oh, also, this interesting one here is it's going to be a lightweight as well. That's interesting. Jeremy Stevens returning up to lightweight. That's that's a that's interesting. Yeah, because since Jeremy Stevens dropped out the featherweight, he has improved drastically. Um, so if he can take that skill set, go up to lightweight with it, and you know, hold hold his cardio up there, that's a devastator. That like that, that's a game changer. Very excited though. Proper, if you can't tell. Proper excited to see Jeremy Stevens back in back in the cage. Uh, heavyweight fight, Andre Vlosky. Fuck me, man. This guy just does not stop fighting. Fifty fight MMA veterans fought everyone and anyone at heavyweight. Taking on Chase Sherman. Um, big fan of Chase Sherman, actually. He came into the UFC a few years ago. Won a couple, lost quite a few. I think he lost three on the belt, got cut, went away, reevaluated, did a bit of bare knuckle boxing. Um, I believe he won like sort of like one of the sort of lower, lower rated MMA titles, came back and has looked looked brilliant in his last couple of fights, he really has. Uh, so he's fighting the veteran Andre Ovlosky. Ovlosky is just getting fed to these young up-and-comers, but he's doing fucking well against them, eh? Like, coming off his loss to Tom Aspinall, obviously. Besides from that, he's been looking fucking... He's still in the game, man, even at his, at his veterancy. Uh, who else we got? We've got um, Abdul Razak Halassan uh, fighting Jacob Malcolm. Uh, both guys coming off a... Both guys coming off a lockout, knockout loss. I believe Malcolm coming off a loss... Oh, I can't remember his name. Phil Hard, Phil Hard, maybe Phil Hawk was it? Um, got knocked out. I remember him, the. I remember seeing him getting knocked out. I just can't remember the guy who knocked him out's name. 
Uh, Abdul Razak Alassan coming off a loss against Chaos Williams. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, Razak Alassan's a killer, man. Like, that guy throws fucking bombs. Absolute bombs. Um, so I'm curious to see how, um, see how that fight goes. Well, I think he, he takes that fight pretty no bother, really. Um, fan favourite, Louis Pena. Luis Pena, sorry, against Alec Munoz. Big fan of Pena. Really enjoy watching that guy fight. Um, tall, rangy, technical kickboxer. Very, very fun to watch. A um, lot of potential in him. It's just a matter of will we see that potential. Um, very interested to see how he does. Ricardo Ramos versus Bill Algeo. That's a fucking banger as well. That's a great fight. Absolute great fight. Um, but yeah, that whole main card is just... That's six absolute banging fights there. Absolute banging fights. Prelims looking pretty fun as well. Quite a few up-and-comers on the prelims. Uh, but that main card is a fucking banger. Like, I'm, I'm well impressed with it. I really am. Very much looking forward to that entire card next weekend. Um, yeah, obviously next week's show I'll be talking about it. Um, those six fights on the main card are just, yeah... They're all worth. Com- I think they're all going to be worth big conversations next week. I think it's going to be very fucking enjoyable. So this week in MMA history, we've got a triple header. There were three um, iconic moments that have happened in this last week um, in MMA history. Um, all three are so iconic to me, myself, and the sport, in my opinion. One of, one of which is monumental to to the sport we have today in every way. Um, so, yeah, we have got... I'll run th- down all three, then I'm going to go into each each one. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter 1 finale, uh, April 9th, 2005. The fight that changed the whole sport, the trajectory, trajectory, I believe that's a word, of the, of the whole sport was changed by this one fight. Um, if you're into MMA history, you're into uh, the law of MMA, the, you know what I mean? This fight is so significant, it changed the landscape, it changed everything, and it probably catapulted a huge amount of people into the sport of this one fight. I'm going to get into that in a minute. The second one I'm doing is UFC 69. 7th of April 2007, the bit, one of the biggest, if not the biggest upset in MMA history, Matt Serra knocking out George St. Pierre, huge, just epic, crazy, like you can't even, you couldn't write it, it's like a fucking Rocky film, it's amazing, I'm going to go into that, and the third one is Strikeforce, Diaz versus Daly from April 9th 2011, in which it is the, it's, it's been recorded and it's been talked about as the craziest round in MMA. It's a classic fight. It's one of those fights of just one round of what the fuck moments. Um, yeah, it, it. This is. I'm absolutely ecstatic to be doing these three events just this week and talking about it and giving my my feel on it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, let's get into it, man. Um, the Ultimate Fighter. Where to start? Like this, this is one of those events of where to start. The Ultimate Fighter One. I mean, yeah, it, it again, 
the, the first season of the Ultimate Fighter changed changed the sport. It really did. How do I term this? The UFC dived on the whole. They're very much they're very much dived on the whole um, uh, reality TV show. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think it, like the show itself wasn't a huge hit. It took um, took a handful of fighters. You know, took maybe like. I think it was like 16 or so. 16 fighters, threw them in a house, they were middleweights and light heavyweights. And the idea was, winner of each weight gets a UFC contract. Fair enough. Easy, simple premise. I thoroughly enjoyed the Ultimate Fighter, right up until probably season 17, 18, something like that. After that, it became very watered down. The talent wasn't as good and it just it fizzled out, I'll be honest. It just fizzled out. The original episodes of the Ultimate Fight, the original seasons, were fucking unreal. They were brilliant. They were awesome. Um, even, you know, looking at the first Ultimate Fighter, you had so many up-and-coming fighters came through that that entire fucking season. There were a handful of people went on to have real legit careers in the UFC. Um, the main thing I want to talk about from this is the fight that just changed the, the whole world of MMA. And that is Forrest Griffin versus Stefan fucking Bonner. This is one of the craziest fucking fights you will ever see in your life. You want to see two lads just go at it and just try and fucking take each other's souls. Watch this fucking fight. I, Me talking about it, I can't do it justice. I can't. All I can tell you is go watch it, enjoy it, and see if it doesn't change your fucking life. See if it doesn't change your perspective on MMA. It's amazing. It is just one of those fights that just changes. It just changed the world. The crack, the crack that goes alongside this, the the history that goes alongside this fight was the ratings pretty much tripled, if not quadrupled, by the second round because people. This is post internet, really. Like there weren't a lot of people with the internet back then, back in two thousand and five. There weren't, you know, people had the internet, but it wasn't as we didn't have social media. We didn't have. Um, we had websites, that was about it. But people, this is how old school it is, people were ringing their fucking friends in the middle of this fight saying, get Spike on, watch this fight, two guys are knocking the fuck through each other. That was it. It's one of the closest decisions I've ever seen in my life. Forrest Griffin would go on to win by decision. Dana White would award both men a contract in the company. Um... Both men took a different journey in their MMA career. Stefan Bonner went on to be very win-loss. Forrest Griffin went on to win the fucking light heavyweight title. Forrest Griffin is the biggest underdog, biggest overachiever in MMA, and I fucking love him for it. I really do. He went on to beat Rampage Jackson. When Rampage Jackson was the scariest 205er in the world, hardest hitting 205er, knockout artist, knocked out Chuck Liddell. You know what I mean? Knocked... The daylights out of Dan Anderson and Dan Anderson was double pride champ coming over to the UFC. Poor, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus. And Forrest Griffin went on to have a career in the UFC, became a Hall of Famer. One of the best to ever do it. Tough as nails, gritty, game for a scrap. And went on, and he had some amazing wins over people like Shogun Hua, Rampage Jackson, you know what I mean? Uh, Rich Franklin, uh, Tito Ortiz, Stefan Bonner twice. Um, T.O.T.'s twice as well for that matter 
You know what I mean? Uh, it's insane. The guy had a hell of a career. Hell of a career. It's amazing. But uh, the fight itself, though, is just a game changer, man. It just you need, If you've not watched it, go, go treat yourself. Hell, pay for a month of fight pass just to watch that fight. That would be my advice, anyways. That would be my uh, my go-to. But yeah, unbelievable, man. Just unbelievable. Just thinking about just thinking about that fight, and yeah, that. But yeah, that that fight saved the UFC in a lot of ways. The UFC was gone. It was hemorrhaging money. Uh, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna get another season of the Ultimate Fighter by the looks of things. Uh, backstage on that night, Spike signed up the UFC for another season of the Ultimate Fighter due to that fight. Full stop. That's it. Done. Like, and this catapulted the Ultimate Fighter into our lives. I went. On, I watched the Ultimate Fighter. I probably because because we didn't really have access to it. It wasn't on the UK television. Uh, I watched them all quite a bit later, a couple of years later. Um, well, maybe like a year later, a friend of mine got me bang into me. I had loads of them on DVD. We watched them together. And it did, it gave me, I, I love the old Ultimate Fighters. During the first big lockdown last year, I watched maybe like four, no, maybe five or six seasons of it, of a lockdown. And it was nostalgic, it was great. It brought back like, you know, why you love the sport. It's fun. It's a fun thing to watch. It's Look, it's a reality TV show with 16 men in a house, trapped with no contact with the outside world. But strangely enough, the UFC put a load of alcohol in there, so do the math with that one. But yeah, this whole event, this this one fight in particular, it, it saved the UFC and made it what it is today in one way or another. You've got to pay homage to these two guys. You know what I mean? They went out there and literally tried to take each other's souls and we, no one ever knew how the implement them two guys sacrificing that fight would, would go on to do. It's incredible. It really is fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, absolutely epic to say the least, real epic show of, yeah, how the sport has came and how the sport has changed. It's amazing. It's uh, it's 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 historical. It's iconic. The rest of this the rest of this card though, like you had Rich Franklin, who was a real big up and coming fighter at that point, uh, one of the mainstays in the UFC fighting um, UFC pioneer Ken Shamrock. You know, I mean, that was the headliner, and I don't think anyone gave a fuck about that after that Forrest Griffin Stephen Bonner fight, to be honest. But it was there. But yeah, Rich Franklin, uh, TKO's Ken Shamrock in the first round, um, passing to the torch, you might say. Obviously, you had Griffin Bonner, which was just fucking epic. Um, you had Diego Sanchez defeating Kenny Florian at fucking middleweight. Kenny Florian went on to be a title contender at lightweight and featherweight. So, that guy went up crazy amounts of weight to fight in that tournament and made it to the final somehow and smacked the fucking God. But Diego Sanchez, I believe, is the only person in this entire cast that's still fighting. Everyone else is retired. Everyone else, I believe, off the top of my head. But yeah, man, like just from this this uh, season, you had Diego Sanchez, Chris Lieben, Josh Koscheck, Nate Quarry, Mike Swick, all went on have great MMA and mainly UFC and Kenny Florian sorry all went on to have great UFC careers wins and losses right the way through Josh Koscheck fought for a title Chris Lieben was just a mainstay destroyer Mike Swick was always a couple of times was on the very much on the cusp 
of getting a title shot. Nate Quarry, again, mainstay, brawler, had a great career. It's amazing, man. It really is. It's amazing what this show did. And if you haven't watched it, I'd, I'd say go back, watch it, enjoy it. Um, it'll give you an appreciation for how far the sports came. It'll give you an appreciation for a handful of legends that fought in this tournament. Yeah. And then, obviously, moving on from this, you had the coaches, Couture and Liddell, fighting for the second time. You know what I mean? It was a big, it was a huge thing. I think it's one of them where you, you have to remember and appreciate these sort of events and these the impact it's had. Yeah. But yeah, amazing, man. Honestly, I can't, I'm just going to keep saying amazing, but it's, it is, it's incredible, it's iconic, it's historic. Go treat yourselves, go watch it. You, I promise you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, next event I want to talk about Easy, in my opinion, maybe the biggest upset, definitely the first big shocker I watched in MMA that blew me away, and that is UFC 69, April 7th, 2007. Um, I watched this, shout out to Mark Ewins, good friend of mine, Mark Ewins, who um, um, I believe I was around his house one night, we watched this, and... Shit, man, like, George St. Pierre was this up-and-coming killer. Just be Matt Hughes, I want to say. Um, I believe he just beat Matt Hughes. He was seen as the future of the sport. Already seen as potentially... He was already seen as potentially he was going to be the greatest of all time, I think, just from that one title, getting that one title. It was seen as... He was seen as something special. He was... He went on to be something special. Do not get me wrong. Um, Matt Serra came off. Yeah, he was came off a couple of losses. The UFC did something called the Ultimate Fighter, the comeback, which what it was, it was the fourth season of the Ultimate Fighter. They gathered up a load of guys who I believe at welterweight and middleweight who were on losing streaks, put them all in this tournament, and the winners... At welterweight and middleweight, both went on to fight for the title. It was fucking insane. It was basically, it was basically like a feeder tournament. It was basically like they were gonna let some chiseled grep, uh, chiseled veterans, wore it out to see who gets a title shot, and fed to the Anderson Silver or George St Pierre. Let that sink in. They were taking a load of veterans, a load of old old fighters, on losing streaks. They were going to take these guys, throw them in a tournament together, then the winners were going to fight Anderson Silva and GSP. Just let that sink in. That's fucking insane. Um, despite my thoughts on it, and feeling like they were feeding Matt Serra to GSP, Matt Serra didn't have the same thought. Uh, he didn't have the same fucking plan. Matt Serra knocked GSP out in the first fucking round. I remember sitting there, with my mate Mark in just being in utter awe at just what had happened. It was by far, that was the first, I think that was, I'd seen people I liked lose and favourite fighters lose and all that jazz, seen all that shit. But that, I think that was the first time I'd seen a genuine, like, what the fuck moment to those extremities of, George St. Pierre was meant to go into that fight Knock Sarah out in the first, 
or submit him in the first, go on and kill the next welterweight. That was how it was meant to go. That was just full stop. And Matt Serra was just like, nah. I'm five foot six of Italian pasta eating, jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm I'm gonna go in there and knock this fucking knock this hype train out. And he fucking did. It's incredible, man. Um, I put a post up last week. Never count out little guys, man. Never count them out. Short man syndrome is a real fucking threat. It really is. Like, honestly. Fuck. Man, yeah, just remembering back to, like, watching that for the first time. And, yeah, man, just being blown away by it. Just like, what the fuck? How did that happen? Incredible, man. It's just fucking incredible. It really is. But, obviously, Matt Serra. Matt Serra went on to have a good career, man. He's an amazing coach now. Um, coaches some of the best fighters in the world. Um, amazing personality in the sport. And George St. Pierre went on to be arguably the greatest of all time. George St. Pierre avenged this loss um, later down the line. I want to say it was UFC 84. Don't hold me to that. I think it was UFC 84. Came back to in Canada and avenged his loss and absolutely decimated Matt Serra in the rematch. But. Matt Serra will always be able to walk around saying, I was the guy who knocked out George St. Pierre and got the title when I wasn't meant to. It's amazing, man. Um, yeah, the rest of this card, the rest of this card was awesome, though. It really was. It had some really, really fun fights on it. You had uh, Josh Koscheck versus Diego Sanchez, both Ultimate Fighter alumni. Um... I remember that being a great fight. Josh Koscheck getting the decision over Diego, giving him his first loss off the top of my head as well. We had an absolute barn burner between two of the biggest savages in this sport, Roger Huerta and Leonard Garcia. Big fan of both. Roger Huerta was set to be the next face of MMA at one point. He was the first MMA fighter to ever be on the front of Sports Illustrated. Um, this fight was crazy. Leonard Garcia is a fucking wild man. You watch any Leonard Garcia fight, he swings for the fences and just brawls. That guy has no, he's not a point fighter, man. He's in there to fucking kill or be killed. I love Leonard Garcia. Big fan of Leonard Garcia. Recently um, recently retired fully from combat sports after running bare knuckle boxing. Um, love Leonard Garcia, man. Roger Wirt is still fighting Bellator. Very bit of a fall from grace over the years for him, but otherwise, tough as nails, great fighter. But yeah, that fight was fucking insane. Insane. Uh, he had uh, Yushin Akami, decision in Mike Swick. Uh, Kendall Grove, submitting Alan Belcher with a beautiful Darts choke. I remember that very well. He had Heath Herring beating Brad Imes. Talis Latis beating Pete Sell. Marcus Davis beating Pete Spratt. And Luke Kumo defeating Josh Haynes. But yeah, iconic man. Massive, massive historical uh, relevance with this. Matt Serra doing it for the little boys. Um, short, short man syndrome's a real thing, man. Don't don't pick on little guys. Don't count them out either. Amazing. Very historic moment. Um, yeah. Moving on. The third part of MMA history I want to talk about is has been described as the craziest round in MMA history. This was Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly for the Strikeforce welterweight title, April 9th, 2011. This is an insane fight. 
insane fight. Um, yeah, it's one of them, like, Paul Daly, as people talk about uh, McGregor having this devastating left hand, Paul Daly's an orthodox fighter, but Paul Daly's left hand is a fucking cannon. That That's left hook of his is a fucking, it's the shadow realm causer, we'll call it that. That fucking left hand puts people fucking dead. Um, still to this day, Paul Daly's one of the most fearsome knockout artists in MMA, in my opinion. The guy is fucking scary. Scary heavy hitter. Um, yeah, scary fucker. Real scary guy. And everyone knows who fucking Nick Diaz is. We seem to be on a bit of a, uh, a streak at the minute of this week in MMA history talking about Nick Diaz. It's just by chance, if I'm being honest, but I'm not complaining. But yeah, this fight was um, insane. Uh, Paul Daly dropped Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz came back and TKO'd Daly with seconds to go at the end of the first. It was just a fucking barn burner. But Nick Diaz just seemed to go... Nick Diaz goes 100 mile an hour. As soon as you slow down, he's going a next gear. And that's what he did. It's one of the craziest knockouts as well because like Diaz hits him with a hook on the temple and Daly almost steps forward. Then his equilibrium goes and he falls back. Diaz dived on him and just pounded him out with the ref stopping it. It's always one of them where I think to myself, like, could they let it go? Yeah. I think in a championship fight with seconds to go, I think they could have let it go. I think there was three seconds, three seconds left on the count. Like, I, man, this fight could have been even more insane if they'd let it go to another round. But it's still one of the craziest fights, one of the craziest rounds in MMA history by fucking far. Um, yeah, it's it's insane, man. It's just one of those. I think it's one of Strikeforce's real uh, pivotal moments. It really is. It's one of those. It's it's probably the big Strikeforce moment I always remember, without a doubt. That or it's probably that or Dan Anderson knocking out Fedor. Them them two are the two for me personally. Um, but this one probably tops it. Fucking crazy. Um, after this fight, I mean Nick Diaz would go on to. I'm pretty sure it was after. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But I think it was after this fight he went on to uh, sign with the UFC and fight in the UFC. Um, Paul Daly would go on to um, fight pretty much anyone and everyone in every organization after this. Um, Yeah. Uh, It was fucking crazy. Um, Yeah. Uh, Paul Daly would go on to fight in... He'd lose to Tyron Woodley after this fight. Then he'd go on to fight in Barmer, Ringside MMA, Strikeforce, Bellator, Cage Contenders, Dubai Fighting Championship, um, CWFC, Legend Fights, uh, Barmer again, Bellator. Yeah, like crazy. The guys fought the best of the best um, outside the UFC. He really has. Um, Paul Daly's a fucking weapon. He's an absolute destroyer. It really is. But yeah. Well, I also on this card though, you had uh, Gilbert Melendez absolutely just elbow storming Tatsua Kawajiri into submission. Um, Gilbert Melendez would also go on to sign with the UFC not long after this and fight there. We had light heavyweight. We had uh, Bellator, middleweight champion back in the day, fighting at light heavyweight. Gegard Masasi, decision in Keith Jardine. Uh, Shinya Yoki. Uh, beating Lyle Beardon by submission. 
Um, yeah. That was like the highlight, really. A lot of fighters that you don't really hear or see anymore, really. But, uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Just crazy fight, crazy round. Massive fan of Nick Diaz. Massive fan of Paul Daly. So, for me, it was always a tough one watching this fight. But I just remember watching it and just, yeah, it, it delivered. It if you were going to see anything, anyone lose, you wanted to see them go out like that. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Nick Diaz dropped the way Paul Daly dropped him in that fight. Daly's left hook is a fucking nuclear bomb. There's a reason the nickname Semtexa because that guy, that guy cracks people and fucking puts them out. And that's the best part. It's that fucking step left hook is just fucking devastating. You want to see it? You want to see Paul Daly's best work? Um, go look at his knockout of um, Scott Smith in Strikeforce. God damn. That's the nastiest face plant fucking KO you'll ever see, I think. Insane. But yeah, man, what a week in MMA history, though. Three iconic events, three great main events. Well, not even great main events, just great fights, iconic fights, historical fights, very impacting on the sport, impact, very impacting to me, all three. All three have serious relevance with myself. Um, yeah, amazing. Like, proper... Yeah, just what a great opportunity to talk about those three events and fights all in one week. Just, just yeah, it's a gift. It really is. Just been, I've been so excited to talk about all three this week. Just thinking, of, I've been thinking about it all week. Like, seeing all three, it came up on the sort of history timelines, and I was like, that's amazing. I get to talk about three... Three events like that that are so impactful, so iconic, so historic within the sport to me, to fans all over the world as well. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. But yeah, um, on that note, I'm going to leave you for today. Yeah, hope you're all keeping well. Look after yourselves. Uh, next week's show, we're going to be talking about Whitaker versus Gaslam. Recap of that event, which I'm, I think it's going to be a banger. That main card is amazing. And we're going to also be talking about going to be a little review of UFC 261, I believe, which is a triple title headliner. But the main headline is obviously Kamaru Usman rematching Jorge Banzvidal. Very excited for that fight. Um, excited to talk about it, give my take on it, what I think is going to happen, what I think, what I take from it. Uh, yeah. But guys, honestly, look after yourselves. Take care. Um, shit's opening back up this week. We're getting there. We're getting out of this fucking shite that is a fucking lockdown i can't wait i can't wait to see my friends family get guests on the show enjoy some fucking socialization have a beer with people i can't wait man i hope everyone else is excited and i hope you're all keeping well looking after yourselves but um yeah thanks for listening as always uh if you've listened to the show for the first time please check out spotify pocket casts which is a free podcast app um also itunes i'm on all them Get yourselves on there, have a listen. To everyone at GMA Radio, um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to GMA Radio for the platform to do this. Hey, um, yeah, take care, everyone. See you next week. Bye.